0: And that music can only mean one thing. The Delaware Valley Journal is on the air. The official podcast of DelawareValleyJournal.com where we cover Bucks, Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery counties. I am Michael Graham with Inside Sources. Our intrepid newsroom master, Linda Stein, is cracking a whip over our staff. Linda, how are you?
1: Great. How are you,
0: Michael? Well, I'm excited. We've got some great stories I've seen. uh, Sneak preview coming down the pipeline, including looking at how voter registration has changed in the past 12 months is pretty amazing, and also uh, what's going to be happening to utility rates in the uh, Delaware Valley uh, uh, as uh, as this uh, current energy crisis uh, continues to impact daily lives. But I had a fascinating uh, event. Uh, The other day, I happened to be in New Hampshire, and I was at a bookstore where you will often find me, uh, usually shoplifting. And uh, there was a a presentation by the author of a new book um, entitled Dignity in in a Digital Age, Making Tech Work for All of Us. And who's the author of the book? But Congressman Ro Khanna of the Silicon Valley. Congressman, welcome to the Delaware Valley Journal podcast. Thank you, Michael.
2: It was great meeting you, and I'm honored to be on your podcast.
0: Well, It's not much of an honor, as you'll quickly see, but uh, <laughs> I had to say, what shocked me, obviously, I'm familiar with your work and with your uh, your role as part of the kind of the progressive wing of the Democratic Party and your activism on issues of uh, income equality, et cetera. But then in the conversation, you casually mentioned you're from Bucks County, Pennsylvania.
2: I'm from Bucks. I'm from my parents are still there. I come to visit, I grew up in. Uh, in Salem, and then uh, went to Council Rock High School. Grew up going off into the vet, you know. But when I was cheering for the Phillies, it was uh, Mike Schmidt and Von Hayes, Lenny Dykstra, <laughs> and Buddy Ryan's Eagles team. So I, uh, you know, I have fond memories of growing up in uh, Bugs.
0: Well, I actually want to back up because I got to hear your presentation about your book, and you talked about your parents immigrating to the United States and the path that you got you on so that you started looking at issues of economic equality, social justice, etc. Tell us your parents' story before you tell us your story.
2: Sure. My uh, parents came to this country in uh, the 1960s. My father came to study uh, engineering. Uh, He went to uh, the University of Michigan, uh, still a big Wolverines fan. Uh, My mom uh, is a substitute school teacher. Uh, And my mom's father was involved in India's independence movement. He spent four years in jail uh, with Gandhi in the 1940s as part of India's independence. And so my grandfather was a, a big influence on on my life. He passed away when I was nine, uh, but he was such a larger-than-life figure in our family that that, I think, is really what inspired my interest in public service. And I was born in uh, Philadelphia in uh, 1976, our bicentenary, so... I I have a great affection for Philadelphia.
1: You said your grandfather had inspired you to go into politics, basically. Is that why you're uh, living this life as a congressman?
2: Well, my grandfather uh, showed me that uh, politics can make a huge difference, and it gave me an interest in human rights. Actually, my first activity was publishing an op-ed. I still remember the Bucks County Courier Times when I was in ninth grade. There was this teacher, Mrs. Robb, at Holland Junior High, and she said you had to get published. And so I wrote an art, who was a columnist at the time at the Bucks County Courier Times, uh, you know, the essay wasn't good enough to publish it as a whole, but he wrote, uh, read this 14-year-old's lips, George. At the time, I thought, wow, this is amazing. The president of the United States is going to read my op-ed. Now, now I write op-eds in the New York Times and I realize the president still doesn't read them, but, uh, you know, it gave me a sense that uh, you can uh, make a difference in this country. And what, a, what an incredible nation that uh, you can have your voice heard as a son of immigrants. And I was speaking on issues of war and peace and that from a young age gave me an interest in uh, having, an, having an impact.
0: So I want to talk well, about the great. other, I, I, I want to interrupt if I can and talk about the other immigration, which is immigrating from suburban Bucks County, a relatively sane part of America to the absolutely insane environs of San Francisco,
2: Silicon Valley. I mean, what was that shift like? Well, you know, Silicon Valley is an incredible place in the United States. I mean, we should be proud in the United States that we have the most innovative, dynamic, companies in the world. I mean, the market cap in my district is $10 trillion, and it's been a source of extraordinary American innovation. But one of the challenges that I feel is that the opportunities and the economic growth are too concentrated. Uh, I want to make sure that the talent uh, in every part of this country is recognized. Uh, and that, that's been part of my work, is how do we get some of the economic opportunities of the new economy uh, into places that have been left out, and how do we get production uh, back across America? I mean, my view is one of the big mistakes this country made uh, was to just have a lot of our production leave and have the deindustrialization of communities. And so I look at what, where I represent in Silicon Valley, I say, wow, people are so optimistic about the future because they have economic hope. And then so many other parts of the country, you know, one of the things that struck me is people are talk about a brain drain. They say, you know, our kids are leaving. There's a brain drain. That's what my parents talked about when they left India. I never thought I'd be hearing a brain drain in the United States of America.
1: Well, you wrote a book about manufacturing. And um, I was wondering, um, people that are manufacturing in America these days complain about regulations and taxes and um, also that you know, employees get lower wages in the Philippines or wherever. Are you uh, sponsoring any legislation to help with those issues?
2: I am. I'd say there are a couple of things we need to do. First of all, if you're an American company and you offshore your jobs to sell back into America, there ought to be a tax on that. It's one thing if you want to offshore production to sell overseas, but there ought to be a tax on offshoring things to sell back into the United States. Second, we've got to have capital uh, for manufacturing. I mean, China, Taiwan, their governments provide an extraordinary amount of capital to help business uh, make products. Uh, one of the legislations bipartisan that I'm doing with Todd Young, Senator Schumer, uh, Mike Gallagher, uh, two Republicans, two Democrats, is to help bring our semiconductor industry back into the United States. Uh, it's past the House, past the Senate. And in Intel, in anticipation of it, is putting $20 billion into Ohio, into Columbus to create two new factories that would create 7,000 jobs, uh, revitalize that area. And I, I want to see more cooperation between business, government, educational in- institutions to reindustrialize uh, the country. So well, that when, sounds good.
0: When, when okay. you were, uh... Uh, uh, talking about your book and I heard you had a chance to speak you had a chance to talk about what it was like to growing up uh, growing up in Bucks County. So I've a couple of uh, follow up questions on that. One is what was it like growing up in Bucks County in the 70s and 80s as opposed to today where the there was you know less racial diversity and your parents are from India. What was that experience like? And then what did you learn about life growing up in the suburbs of Philly that you kind of feel like you've taken with you as you've gone out to the West Coast?
2: Well, I would say my formative experiences of politics were all in uh, growing up in Bucks County. A couple things. One, you know, our street we used we had my dad was a middle class chemical engineer on our street. We had someone much wealthier, was a senior vice president. We had folks who were plumbers, we had uh, electricians. Uh, and it was really a mixed uh, economic community, but we all played on the same uh, little league uh, teams. We all were. Uh, played street hockey, we watched Rocky movies, there used to be this game Stratomatic, which we used to get together, uh, you know that, and then, you know, I don't know the, the, if it still exists, but there was a the 610 radio, Howard Kid. we used to listen to that, you know, so I mean, it was a, it was a, just an experience where you grow up, you're proud of the country, uh, no one makes you think, I mean, I grew up in Bucks County, being one of the only Indian kids in my high, entire high school, thinking, you know, you could do anything in America, it's one of the reasons I still have such a belief in this country. And, uh, you know, there was this incident I talked to you about when we moved in uh, to Amsterdam Avenue in Holland where there was some chatter on the streets. The, the Kanas are moving in, what, what's going to happen? And my father figured out that the real issue was on Christmas Eve, everyone puts out paper bags and celebrates Christmas. And right. they said, well, this Hindu family is coming. And my parents said, well, we'll celebrate Christmas too. That, that, that's great. I mean, we always, <laughs> uh, you know, they had grown up celebrating Christmas in India. There was sure. They didn't sure. think there was any imposition to put paper bags and lights out. And uh, they would sell it. We'd invite the uh, uh, neighbors over in uh, celebrating Diwali. And I guess what I grew up in, Bucks County believing is that uh, that that this is fundamentally a decent country. It's a tolerant country. It's a country that uh, is, is open to people coming uh, from different parts of, of the world. And uh, that faith in America uh, is still what propels me and makes me uh, honored every time I go into the Capitol. I still think it's a, what a place to, I get that people think, oh, dysfunction and why do you want to do this? And I say, are you kidding me? We're the greatest democracy in the world. And I get to be a part of making decisions. That's, that's an incredible responsibility. So
1: you're promoting the Green New Deal. And part of that is uh, an emphasis on electric vehicles, right? Um, but what about the grid? Is it ready to handle
2: it when everybody plugs in their car to recharge overnight? I would say two things. Right now, the immediate need is to bring down gas prices. I mean, you're, we're not going to move to everyone driving electric cars in the next two months. And I think one of the things we have to do is ban exporting our oil overseas, uh, which we didn't do before 2015, at least temporarily, to bring down prices. The other thing I've suggested is the government should buy at the dip, like Warren Buffett is doing, and instead of then making record profits, sell it back to the American public at low prices. So we got to lower prices. But long-term we need a renewable uh, energy moonshot. And the reason is I don't wanna be dependent on Russia, Venezuela, Iran, or Saudi Arabia. Now, part of that is we need battery technology, we need solar technology, we need wind technology, but you're absolutely right. We also need better transmission lines to to have the grid. We need more charging facilities to have uh, charging stations uh, across uh, the country. We need better batteries because, you know, I'm one of those people, I go to the gas station, you know when i'm almost at empty and you know people aren't going to want to be in these electric vehicles until their are charging places convenient everywhere uh so that it's con- convenient but i i guess my perspective on this is why don't we want america to lead in all of this i don't want china to lead you know 80 percent of lithium ion processing is done in china lithium ion is going to be the new oil in the 21st century it's going to be needed in almost all of these batteries I want that done here. It's good jobs. It, 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 it's industrial jobs. And, and it would make us the leader.
0: So uh, with the, you've opened so many more doors. We could talk about them and we'll definitely have to have you on again, maybe when you're going to be in town visiting family, we can get you on the, the podcast. But uh, for this uh, episode, I want to finish with this uh, representative Kano when people from other countries, whether you're traveling, maybe on a congressional delegation out to Europe or to the middle East, or maybe you're visiting your know, family in India and they ask you, What's America like? What does it mean to be an American in 2022, say versus 1980 or 1950? What do you tell them?
2: I say we're the greatest country in the world. It's a country of freedom where pe- we still have the most open political process. I mean, think about it. A, a son of immigrants in a middle-class family at the age of 40 was elected to represent, arguably the most economically powerful district in, in the world. Uh, That story is not possible in Germany or France. They wouldn't put uh, a son of immigrants uh, in representing their key industry. They'd have some third, fourth generation person there. And I say it's a place that is extraordinary in its entrepreneurship, extraordinary in its innovation. And people say, yeah, you have a really polarized political environment. And I say, yeah, we do. And we have our challenges. But let me tell you something. We're going to become the first truly multiracial, multiethnic democracy in the world. No other place has done that. You know, I, I, I end with this. I had an Algerian person from France in my office and she was third generation Algerian. And she said the Algerian community didn't feel uh, to be French, she even in right. the third generation. And I guess, you know, what I remember about Bucks County. Yeah, was there a time someone said, hey, Ro, go back to India when I was on the basketball court? I'm sure there was. <laughs> but the point is this. Bucks County made me feel I was just as American as anyone. It made me feel like as long as you were rooting for the Phillies. Now, if you started to root, you know, for the Mets or something, you'd have a problem. But it made you feel like you, you were American. You were, everyone was American. And that's what's so special about this place. I, and, and no matter what the difference is, I think what, what should unite us, especially as we're coming to our 250-year anniversary, is to remember that we are an exceptional nation, that we do have the world's greatest democracy, and that we should be bonded with a, with a patriotism.
0: Representative Rokana, thank you so much for joining us here on the Delaware Valley Journal podcast. We really appreciate your time. Have a great 4th of July.
2: Thank you. Happy 4th to both of you.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Delaware Valley Journal on the air. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends, post it on social media. And if you haven't, sign up for our twice a week newsletter so you don't miss any of the terrific content from DelawareValleyJournal.com. Thanks again. I'm your host, Michael Graham.